I was around seven or eight when I first had a nightmare. At least that was the initial one which was vivid enough that I can still recall it. It was short, not a lot of detail being provided in my mind. I saw myself lying upon the bed in my small room, and there, in the farthest corner, between the top of the wall and the ceiling, was the creature. It had formed a kind of nest, strings of white hanging from the ceiling as it nestled there, web-like entrails surrounding its dark form. In my dream, I could not see it properly. It appeared just as a shape, but the terror which I felt that night is something that I remember well. I did not sleep in my own bedroom for a number of weeks after that night. When I was fourteen, I woke in the early hours of the morning, screaming. My sleep had been interrupted by another nightmare, a continuation from the one I had had all those years previously. I was still sleeping in the same bedroom. We had resided at the house all of my life, only my bed was on the opposite side of the room at this point. The monster, however, was back in its original spot, now appearing directly above me. And this time, it had begun to move. I recall the dream as clearly as I do the previous one. I remember in my dream state, gazing up at the creature and thinking, that's the same monster from my dream before. It was a feeling of wonderment rather than fear to begin with. That was until it started to shift. An almost human-like face unfurling, jet black in its entirety except for two pupilless perfectly round, white eyes. As the terrifying face began to push against the web which it had created for itself, I screamed, waking from the nightmare as I sat upright in bed. My fourteen-year-old self was more able to accept that it had only been a nightmare, but I still felt uneasy each night, desperately, trying to think about other things before sleep took me. No sooner had I managed to banish the dream from my mind than I had another one, yet again the same. It was only the briefest moment, that awful face continuing to press against the web as if it were trying to come closer to me, but the level of terror that I felt was enough to begin affecting me during my waking hours. I would see the creature in a whole host of places, more and more often as the weeks went by. My family thought I was suffering from arachnophobia at one point due to the way that I would recoil from the sight of a spider on its web. Shadows in the corner of rooms would take the form of that face. Nowhere felt safe. Between the ages of fifteen and twenty, it haunted me. I saw it almost daily. Regardless of where I was, it would find a way to reveal its face. The constant torment had serious repercussions for my mental well-being, resulting in a dependency on anti-anxiety medication, as well as on the insistence of my doctor some experimentation with antipsychotics. I blame my childhood bedroom. I longed to sleep anywhere but there. And so, at the age of sixteen, I left. My family understood, uh, to a point, my reasoning but they were frightened for me. It was not as though they believed there was anything dangerous about the dream itself, of course, but they could see how my mental health was deteriorating so rapidly. 
I found a small room not far from my home, renting from a man who was mostly away on business, thus leaving the whole house to me. I thought it would be perfect. I thought I would be safe there. Nevertheless, the dreams became more regular still, each visualization bringing the creature's cracked, blackened face closer to mine. I became dangerously close to the edge of existence, feeling the immense pull of both anxiety and depression. My mind was a constant battle between being too frightened to leave the house and too afraid to stay in it. I never knew if I wanted to be alone or if I needed company. I found it difficult to distinguish between what was real and what was not. As much as I struggled, I managed to hold down a job, and I managed control, what the doctor had called my symptoms. There were specific places which I had to avoid, such as dark alleyways and suspicious-looking marks along the sides of buildings, and this caused me to take the long way to and from work each day. I did not dare to tell my colleagues, most of whom I would drink with after work, for fear that they would ridicule me, and so I suffered my burden for months on end positive that one night the creature would finally reach me. In my dreams, I was always back in the bedroom at my family home, the dream being virtually identical each horrific time that it came to me. It had been devastating that my plan to live elsewhere had not helped, and now, regardless of anything, that thing was etched so deeply into my mind that it had become part of me. I wanted it to go, to leave me in peace, but it would not. I searched for help, sure that there must be a way of erasing the memory, but there was nothing. All I could do was embrace it, fight the feeling of gut-wrenching dread, and not pay it any attention. This was what I had decided, and as hard as it was, I began to face my fear. I started to take the more direct route to work. Music blasting in my ears, eyes darting anywhere except where the shadows would lie. I'd stay awake for much longer than was healthy, pushing myself to the extreme, until even the mix of caffeine and recreational drugs could not keep sleep at bay. The dream slowly started to subside, sleep having been replaced with a deeper level of unconsciousness and as I felt as though I was finally winning. That was how it had seemed to me, anyway. From the outside, I was a mess, sleeping only two or three hours each night, dependent on amphetamines, rarely eating. My parents were worried, making their disapproval of me ever so clear, and I reacted in the easiest way that I could. I stopped seeing them. I chose to do that rather than risk the nightmares returning. My friends and colleagues did not seem to me as the disaster that my parents described me as, possibly because they were all a mess in their own ways. We were all young. We all wanted the same kind of excitement, and we all felt a need for escape. On the approach to my 21st birthday, someone suggested we went camping, a group of us, to some woodland not far from home. It was always deserted, I was told. It could be fun, they all said. My anxiety kicked in at the thought of being in the woods, surrounded by that pitch-black 
enveloping darkness. I told them that I would think about it, tried to brush it off as camping not really being my thing. However, they had made the decision, and they insisted that it would be great. There would be drinks, and there would be drugs, so, potentially, I could stay awake all night. I'd have plenty of company. I would be safe. Peer pressure, being the thing that it is, gave me little choice when the day came around, and so, with just a bag of essentials and a large torch, I made my way out with five others. I was very self-aware. I had learned what triggered the fears, and I knew how to manage them to the best of my ability. I was also very keen on drugs, but for the sake of trying to cling to my last strands of sanity, I had avoided any hallucinogens. It sounded like an insane idea for me to try anything like that. I was seeing things far too often without the help of drugs. This is the reason I refused the mushrooms that night, even though I did not explain why. And this is the reason my friends gave me them anyway, without my knowledge. From what I had been told previously, hallucinations are all well and good, provided you know that you've taken something. If you have no way of knowing that it's the drugs, rather than reality, things become much more sinister, especially if your mind is already packed full of terrifying images. We made a fire, sitting around it, passing a couple of bottles of cheap scotch back and forth. I drank it, preferring that to the bloating, sleep-inducing effects of beer. I let the cannabis pass me, knowing from previous experiences that it would knock me out, and with a couple of pills inside me, avoid looking into the darkness, I began to relax. One of the girls announced that she was going to get some snacks, and wandered off to the pile of bags and coats that we had slung at the foot of a huge tree. The drugs had completely destroyed my appetite, and I could not face food, but as I tried to decline, she smiled so sweetly at me. Foolishly, I thought she was interested in me, coming back to the group with only a handful of pastry bites. She popped one in her mouth and held one up for me, her fingers running across my lips, my mouth opening. Two were all that I could manage, and no sooner had I swallowed them than the girl began laughing. She made no explanation as to what had amused her so much, and I, mistakenly, put it down to her drunkenness. I was unaware of the hour, but it was late enough to be dark during the summertime, certainly approaching midnight at least. The cover of the trees and the remote location had created an eerie shadiness as night enveloped our merry group. I had lost track of the conversation, it having been centered around some band I had not heard of, and my eyes had begun to wander towards the trees. The clearing in which we were sat was small. Aside from a little trail along which we had wandered, we were now completely surrounded by woodland, and I was starting to feel anxious. The nearest trunks were only a few meters away from me, and I could detect their form as they stood, towering above us menacingly. Beyond the trunks was an inky blackness, nothing else being visible, almost nothing. As I looked over the shoulder of the person sat opposite me, I noticed two white circles a few feet from the ground, perfectly spherical, 
and close enough to one another to be eyes, pupilless eyes. I took a double take, trying to convince myself that it was just my mind playing tricks on me, that I was safe despite the threatening feel of my surroundings. On the second look, I could not see them, but then they were back, this time a few feet to the left of where they had been previously. A look of fear must have been noticeable as my friends started to ask if I was all right through little giggles and knowing smiles. I told them what I'd seen, and as amusing as they were finding my sense of dread, one of them confessed to the mushrooms. I was angry, but tried to conceal it, terrified of embarrassing myself, but equally convinced that what I had seen was real. If I was to be afraid... Then so should they, as reprisal for their cruel prank. I began to talk about my dreams, the things that I had seen, theatrically telling the scary stories around the campfire. I described the blackened face of my visitor, the bizarre form that it seemed to take, the sticky imprisoning web that it formed. Everyone listened intently, enjoying the tale. The guys laughed it off, but the girls, more easily frightened, began scouring the tree line for anything out of place, in order to prove his bravery or to reassure the girls and myself that there was nothing to fear. The young man opposite me stood up and announced that he needed to take a piss and would be back soon. Unless the white-eyed monster gets me, he told us with a chuckle. We heard the crack of brittle twigs as he made his way into the darkness, the rest of us waiting in total silence for the sound of his return. He had not ventured far, and we could hear the splash of urine as it sprayed against the tree. Then we heard nothing. No more rustling leaves. No more crunching footsteps. Only silence. Convinced that he was playing a prank on us, we began a new conversation certain that he would get bored and reappear shortly. After a good ten minutes or so, there was still no sign. It became clear that we would need to investigate, something that not one of us was willing to do alone. My heart was racing. The terror, combined with the drugs now pushing it to its limit. The girls began to call out for our missing friend, becoming angry that it could be a joke. It only took a few steps into the woodland before someone screamed. The rest of us, unable to see the gruesome spectacle, raced to get back to the clearing. I had been at the back of our group, so was the first one to reach the fire. I turned around to see that we were now half the number we had been when we arrived. Just myself and two girls stood in shock. We called to the others to no avail, but did not have the courage needed to return to the darkness to look for them. All we could do was hope to grab our belongings and run, to try to find help. No sooner had they bent down to pick up our bags that I saw it again. The eyes staring from the darkness. It all happened so quickly. The speed at which it claimed its prize was unexpected. In a matter of seconds, the creature had appeared 
long thin legs propelling it rapidly in circles around the tree that our bags were strewn beside. The white, tangled, sticky web sprayed from the end of its short, almost bird-like arms. And after the shortest moment, it had bolted back into the night. Silence fell once more. The girls, now secured against the trunk of the tree by the creature's web, it had engulfed them with such force that they had been bent and twisted, limbs contorted at angles which were not usually possible, one of their heads suddenly facing the wrong way. If they had survived the envelopment, then suffocation would have surely taken them. But I had no doubt that they had met a quick, albeit horrific, demise. I could not run. Fear, having fixed me to the spot, and I now knew that this is what had been waiting for me. It had been on its way since that first dream as a child. I stood beside the fire with my eyes closed, took a large gulp from the whiskey bottle. Embrace the darkness, I told myself. It seemed inevitable. I waited, but there was nothing. I knew that the horse which I had just seen would drive me over the edge, and I saw no way to go on living after this. I did not want to be the sole survivor, to have to face my fears day in and day out once again. Eventually, I opened my eyes, wondering why the beast had left me standing, only to meet the gaze of two white circles. The black, cracked face was inches from mine. A crooked smile, having appeared, revealing equally sooty teeth. Simultaneously, the creature and I raised our arms, and as the web began to fly from it, I held the rough, jet-black skin in an embrace. I held it in my arms, feeling the tightening of the restraints as they bound us together, my lungs beginning to struggle for air. The monster and I became as one, cocooned with each other, in inescapable bondage. I felt myself slip from consciousness. The only sound... Being the crack of my bones as I was crushed against the blackness of my nightmare. After years of torment, terror in every waking and sleeping moment, the creature had finally taken me. Even so, I had also taken it. Now, we were both complete. <laughs>